Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lawyer Show, a.k.a. the 121st episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor-in-chief of the site. Some would call me Intelligent Hulk, but if I call myself that, I would be Arrogant Hulk, and also not believing any of those statement Hulk. Uh, I am very excited to have all these wonderful people on the podcast talking about the brand new Disney Plus series. Of course, we're talking about a Disney Plus series. That's what we do here. One day, Disney will recognize us and give us a warm embrace, most likely of a lawsuit. So I am joined, as always, by my favorite legal aide. He is also, he's not, he's the managing editor of thepopbreak.com, a photojournalist extraordinaire and is soon to be double dad, Al Manorino, my friend. Welcome to the She Hulk podcast. I felt like we this has been a long time coming. We've been talking about this show, uh, lawyer show. By the way, my favorite line of the I entire uh, first episode. Uh, what's going on, man? I'm so happy to be here, especially with our our lovely guests this week. But uh, just really excited to talk about the show. It feels like a whole minute. Since we talked about a Marvel Disney Plus show, even though it's been like a month. Yes. And unfortunately, Al, you will not be here with us next week because, you know, there's things you have to do and love right. and thunder you must go find. So uh, one of our favorite people, Amanda Rivas, will be actually be the first time we're actually going to have a uh, replacement co-host. So Amanda's going to be Fair. co-hosting the House of Dragon review uh, with myself, Aaron Sarnecki. And I hopefully, hopefully, Alicia Weinberger and Rachel Freeman uh, will be talking about this. But they're not here this week because we have two awesome guests. First, returning to us uh, after going through the sands of time and dealing with hippo gods and flying scarabs, he is our, our favorite magical boy, Tyler McCarthy. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> So great to be here. So great you went with Magical Boy. You are a Magical uh, Boy. Thank you. Ahead of the Hulk, it could it could have been something much more insulting, but Magical Boy, I think I'm changing my Instagram handle. That's awesome. <laughs> you're you're quite welcome. But of course, uh, since we last spoke with Tyler, he's launched the podcast here on the Breakcast feed of the Pop Break Podcast and Radio Network, and he has launched this podcast called Not Couples Goals or Not Couple Goals. Um, with someone who's debuting on the pot this podcast this will be our second week in a row we have someone brand new on the podcast which makes me so excited uh, of course she uh, is a impresaria in the world of television Allie nelson welcome to the podcast well thank you that was i really like the impresaria i don't think anyone's ever called me that before listen here's the thing about me in this podcast i peek at the intros and from there <laughs> All shit. Al can back me up on that one. It, Very much I so. mean, these intros have been fantastic. So I, I, yeah, the flattery gets you everywhere. Yeah, you're starting off on a high note. And there's Captain Charisma over here. That's that's literally how I get through everything in life. Uh, but or Smug Hulk. <laughs> I am definitely now <laughs> Smug. I am Smug Hulk now. Uh, but we are here, like we're saying, talking about the Disney Plus animated ups uh, animated. Jesus, a half hour sort of, uh, sitcom She-Hulk attorney at law. So before we get into the show itself, 
Let's get our background with everyone's background with She-Hulk. Al, where did I first learn about She-Hulk? What's my answer for everything? Uh, from a like uh, Fleer, I'm guessing like a Skybox or you know, kind of like like a 1994 uh, trading card. I would. It's going to be 1990, but yes, okay. you are correct. And I'll be dropping those off at the ranch soon enough for you to sell and make me money. Uh, lots of no money. But yes, uh, no, actually, that's actually not correct. I had heard of She-Hulk through the 1980s cartoons where they had Spider-Man and Friends where they would, ha- they would have a Hulk segment. And that's the first time I had ever heard of She-Hulk myself. But of course, I did have the Marvel card because that's the running joke. Um, Al, what about you? She-Hulk, what comics did you first get in, you know, discover this character? Tell us your history and your background with She-Hulk. Yeah, so uh, I've mentioned this a, a million times on the show, but I'm like oh, a bu- collector, buyer, seller, trader of comic books. Um, I was pretty early on the, the She-Hulk kind of bandwagon in terms of, uh, you know, trying to pick up copies of uh, the first appearance of She-Hulk. Uh which was uh, the Savage She-Hulk number one written by, I believe, Stanley. And uh, so I was picking those up pretty early, but I never really read a lot about the character up until the announcement of the show. Got a lot of just general excitement um, with, you know, how the show looked and who was involved. So I started reading one of the biggest uh, source materials of it, which is uh, Dan Slott's run on She-Hulk, where um, they're taking a lot of the kind of like lawyer aspects um like what were you seen in the trailers of like her um you know working for like a like superhero law firm kind of thing that's all from that run um whereas the uh fourth wall breaking is from the john byrne run which i have not read but it's a very famous run um but yeah the dance lot one's really really good it's really entertaining um you know, they bring in a lot of the characters from the Marvel universe. So it's a great jumping off point for people who are like, Hey, I'm digging the show. What should I read? Definitely check out Dan Slott's run. Um, I've been just reading that uh, pretty religiously. So Dan Slott, a name you often drop on this podcast. I'm friends with him on Twitter. It's weird. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand it. Never will get him on the podcast. Let's, let's, uh, let's do it one day. One make it happen. Day. It's never going to happen. Um, make it happen. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> Allie. What about you? What is your history with uh, our favorite green attorney? So I grew up in a really big comics household. My mom's like a huge nerd with all kinds of like fantasy, sci-fi, comics, nerd culture. So we grew up doing a lot of X-Men, Spider-Man, but I didn't really get into the Hulk. He was too depressing for me. So I always knew about She-Hulk, but... I never really tried to like dive into the character. So this was kind of my first real introduction to having any sort of like interaction with her. Uh, well, before I go on, you you said you grew up X-Men, Spider-Man, favorite X-Men. Mine was always Jean Grey because I actually really liked the, the aspect of like, she was very caring and she was kind of like, this the second uh empath next she wasn't as good as xavier but i liked that she had like a double power like she could fly because of the telekinesis but she also could like kind of read minds and i liked the dark phoenix saga a lot nice tyler a man the magical boy your relationship <laughs> yes. with she hulk he is uh, a man 
He's a, he is the magic. Please stop calling him a boy. No, but I mean that because you he, can call he, him a boy. He, yeah, he has I'm, I'm fine with that. Spirit to him. Also, Magic Man, I think, is a band. That was a heart song. It's like that's a lot of copyright I don't want to get into. There's also um, uh, John C. McKinley's nickname at the end of Talladega Nights. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of that. But, oh, uh, man, rewatch it. That's a fucking great movie. Yeah, about that. I'm not going to do it. I'll take the magic boy. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've like been carded or anything like that. It makes me feel young again. <laughs> yeah, same, same, same. Big same. Um, as for my my relationship to She-Hulk, not a ton, really. Um, in fact, the, the main thing I can think of is there was a while back where I was reading through what the Marvel Comics app told me was the chronological order of the Civil War. Right. Uh, just because I was interested. This was just after I think the movie came out. Uh, and apparently like there are, there's a ton of She-Hulk issues sort of crammed within there. So really all I knew about or all I had for She-Hulk going into this show was reading like two or three issues, however many belong to that collection, completely out of context, uh, just because I was more interested in the Marvel's first Civil War. Um, other than that, it was just, you know, I work in nerd culture media as we all do uh so there were just a few occasions where i had to dive in and get a little bit of she hulk lore do the research like for this show but for the most part yeah this is really my first introduction to her as the character now i'm gonna just send it right back to you is throughout they, they basically we have this format of they're like she hulk is going to be a sitcom now even with limited knowledge of She-Hulk as a property, like, you know what the character is? She's She-Hulk, you know. She's someone you you, you see the character out, out in the wild, whether it's with art or iconography or a poster, whatever you like, I know that's She-Hulk. But when they tell you, hey, we're going to make, we're going to give her a show and it's going to be a sitcom, how did that resonate with you? Um, I You know, it's been a long time coming, in my opinion, to get some of that levity within these Marvel shows. Like that's not to say that there's no levity within them, but like Falcon and the winter soldier didn't really have a lot of yucks. Loki was like a charming show, but not an outright comedy. WandaVision, all of it, it was very funny show, but all of its jokes almost immediately like packed a very emotional or what the fuck kind of punch. Rewatch so, that show and you'll be like, oh God, everything is so terrifying. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't think I'm forgetting any of them so far. Uh, Hawkeye, but that was that was another one where it's not like an outright comedy, but it, again, it's charming. And Moon Knight was not very funny at all. <laughs> no. um, so this is I'm Unless excited. Count the accent. Yeah, <laughs> no, there was there was that one episode. Shout out to this one for being for giving me the well, well, well. <laughs> Oscar Isaac knew what he was doing. Um, yeah, I I think it's great, and also you know, on paper when you're like, oh, well, who's going to be able to achieve this tone of comedy and hulkness and things like that? And then you're like Tatiana Maslany. It's like, oh, yeah, she she's got it. She's got everything. She's the best. Orphan Black was great. Yeah, she can play like 11 characters at once. So and you forget that it's her doing it. Yeah. Well, Allie, what was it? So when they, you know, what's your what's your relation like i know i know uh magic boys relationship with this series what has it been your obviously you say you grew up in this you know very comic you know world you know there was a comic loving world in your household what's your relationship with the mcu and the marvel shows in general i just want to get your background and so and 
bouncing off that the same question how did you feel that are like we're going to give She-Hulk and we're going to give She-Hulk her own property and it's going to be a sitcom. Also, oh, I, I love the MCU, you know, just as much as we sit and we'll watch uh, before, what was it? Infinity War came out. We sat and we watched every single movie in chronological order just so we would be prepared. So definitely have seen all of the movies multiple times, watched a couple of the shows multiple times, but definitely watched all of the shows. So anything I can absorb, I will. Um, and I'm very excited about the idea that we keep having these new series and everything like that. Um, I was really excited when I heard it was going to be a sitcom. I love when things shake. I love shaking things up. I love trying new things. I love just not watching the same content over and over again. So I love that they're trying to find new ways to bring this content to us because otherwise it really is going to get old, especially with having this many series come out in such a short period of time. Right. So Al, for you, the change in tone, like one thing we've seen with the the post um, Infinity War saga, has been the dealing with trauma. Even even in the show, that's brought up, and we're now pivoting towards something that's very funny. We just came off of Love and Thunder, which was very funny, and also had its moments. But we now have She Hulk as a sitcom, and then we'll be having Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. So it seems like we're going in a lighter tone. Of course, I'm forgetting Wakanda Forever is in there where we're all going to cry. Um, how do you feel? Do you feel like this? How do you feel about this kind of like we're kind of moving away from the post trauma of the blip and the snap and everything? I don't think we are. I think I think they're 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 playing it really smart with, you know, this kind of trauma wave. But at the same time, like we've already mentioned shows that kind of sprinkled in like levity or were more levity focused. Like I feel like Hawkeye was more comedy than drama, or at least leaned heavily towards the comedy aspect, but there was obvious drama to it because of the the character that we were dealing with characters. So I don't think we're going later. I think we're just like, just shining a light on more of the light. Right. I, I think, I think we're still going to get trauma in this, right? Like we know, um, you know, Daredevil's coming. Like we we know it's teased in teased in the trailer. Like it's happening. Like we're talking about a character that doesn't have levity, a character that is you know riddled with uh, uh, trauma. So oh, um, I think That's the guilt. I think uh, yeah. So I don't even want to mention. It. But at the same time, um, Catholic guilt, of course. I think all of these shows are doing this good balance, right? Like. Miss Marvel was definitely the lightest. Yes. One of the lightest ones, but at the same time, like it dealt with, you know, a lot of, you know, issues and there were dramatic moments, right? I think the reason we probably didn't get more of that was because it was only six episodes and felt, you know, kind of rushed. So um yeah, I don't think we're getting like, oh, the the last thing in this phase is going to be the lightest thing available. It's just like Marvel's just kind of putting a nice blend they have so much of it now that it just you're gonna feel these like waves because of how these things are released but i really think that uh this will have that in some capacity it, it could also be if you don't mind me jumping in i don't uh, when they introduced like all of the new movies and shows and brought back daredevil and made me squeal loud enough for all the dogs in the building to hear it i heard it too um me thank too. you Kevin Feige mentioned that, like, you know, the first, this whole phase was about dealing with, like, the grief and the trauma of the blip, and now we're trying to get into, uh, 
you know, a different zone, a, a, a different area. And if you look at it in sort of like a phases of death kind of a kind of thing, we could just be a lighter tone keeping up with sort of the acceptance stage. And now we're ready to move on to what life is like beyond the trauma of the infinity saga and uh, everything that came with it. We're ready to introduce new heroes, introduce new tones and get back to the basics of like 2012, where it was just a, a real blast just to see all these different heroes on screen together. And we're just going to get, just prepare us to get batshit crazy with the uh, multiverse saga where we're going to have 5 million Kangs just fuck. Um, Inject them all to my veins. I'm so excited. This February, Quantum Mania will literally just be Al on acid. Uh, That that is what it's going to be. But let's get into the show itself. Of course, we start out when we see Jennifer Walters in her office. She's uh, practicing her closing argument for a big case that's coming up. And one would assume that this is pre-Hulk. But then her her best friend, I believe Nikki was her name. She was like, mentions, oh, yeah, don't forget the Hulk out. <laughs> She's like, oh, let me. Exp-. Then we then do the classic sitcom. Let me explain everything that happened. So the first thing we see, we see Bruce Banner and her in her cousin Bruce it, are in the car. He's talking about how he's got this uh, cool little uh, prototype to keep him able to be Bruce Banner for a while. And then an alien spaceship sent by Jeff Goldblum is in the middle of the road. Now, we don't have a structure to this episode. This was normally where I'd ask everyone to take out the tinfoil and wrap it really tight around the head, poke out some eye holes, and let's go to town. I want to hear everyone's best. I want to hear your guys' thoughts and theories on like this spaceship that randomly shows up, blows them off the road, and we never see it again outside of Bruce mentioning, yeah, this is a thing I have to go take care of. Where do you guys, do we see this come back in the series, or is this tying to something uh, grander. I'd love to hear everyone's theories on it. So Al, I'm going to start with you first. Um, what do you got for me? Yeah. So Hulk had a kid and they're trying to contact him. Yeah. Sorry. Wait. So yeah. Wait. Wait. Yeah. So he's a you shit said dad. That's so matter of factly. Like, I know. It's just like. Yeah, it's just like he 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 works for child services and he's just basically testifying right now. He's like, Your Honor. Bruce Banner has a son or a kid. Now, I'll be honest with me. Are you the Hulk's kid? Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at him. <laughs> but I, I remember when he was really skinny. At one point. I'm actually a more like Wolverine's kid, I think. With the uh, I mean, let's, let's... And when I can grow out the, uh, the, the what's it called? The, the hair. Actually, I could probably do the hair, too. Anyway, regardless. Um, yeah. So this is, uh, you know, kind of rumor mill slash, you know, speculation, especially from like the comic book collecting community and stuff. But in... The Marvel comics, right? Um, Hulk was sent to, um, I think it was uh, Planet Scar, whatever it was called. Scar. Scar. Um, and that's the whole Planet Hulk arc in the comics, where basically right. the Illuminati was like, the Hulk, you are too powerful. We're going to send you off into space, right? So they send him off into space, and everything kind of happens um, on Planet Hulk. Right, I'm sorry, the Planet Hulk arc where he becomes a gladiator defeats like the the king and he becomes the new like uh like king of the planet he has a he has a uh he uh basically marries this woman and um she is then uh killed and then he well 
the reason he's killed is the spaceship that he was sent on blows up and he thinks the Illuminati was trying to kill him. So he goes back to Earth and that's where you get World War Hulk, where he literally beats the shit out of the Illuminati. That's fucking awesome. And a little disappointing towards the end, but like literally the first issue, he he d- defeats Black Bolt in one of the coolest ways ever. And then he beats the shit out of Iron Man, who wears the Iron Man Hulkbuster armor, which we saw in Avengers um, uh, Age of Ultron first um, and then later in the other Avengers movies. Anywho. So it's later revealed that she had a son in secret, I believe. I haven't read it in a long time, but his name is Scar, uh, son of Hulk. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So um, that's what I'm thinking that they're going to lean towards. Because we never got like a planet, like the true planet Hulk storyline. I wonder if we like this is what the next iteration of Hulk is going to be. Especially now they're talking about like you're a Hulk and I'm a Hulk and it could be other Hulks out there kind of thing. So that's my tinfoil hat. I could be 100% wrong, but I have the comics to a little kind of back it up a little bit. So, Cheers. Ty- Tyler and Allie, any thoughts and theories about why, you know, one of this, you know, Sakarian ships is on Earth, you know, blowing him off of, you know, the Garden State Parkway, which is, I assume, most things that are terrible that are not in New York City happen in New Jersey. That's what I, my just assumption in Marvel is. I'm kind of hoping that Al's theory is right, just just for the fact that I would like uh, Hulk to have gotten laid at some point. Yes, it's just tragic well, We're going to talk about that. You know, <laughs> yeah, other people getting laid, but so do you? Do you think that'll be in this show, or do you think that leads into something grand? I think that's too much for the show, especially because it is sort of a sitcom format, and it's you know the episodes are short. I feel like maybe we're headed towards like a Jeff Goldblum cameo, but I don't necessarily think that there's going to be a big storyline with the Sakarans. I the the last time we saw Jeff Goldblum's Grandmaster, though, he did not look like he was going to be in a position to be commanding ships to Earth anytime soon. So maybe, maybe it's also worth noting that does seem to be the same make and model that they stole in Thor Ragnarok. So. Yeah. It could it could be um you could have something to do with like new Asgard or something like that. Um, but I do think I agree with Allie, uh, because I know it's smart to that <laughs> I think um this would be too much for this show, especially because if you watch the end credits, Mark Ruffalo is listed as like special guest star. I don't think we're done with him, but I don't it doesn't sound like he's a part of the cast to a degree where they're gonna hang a heavy lantern on him having a son from another planet that's gone looking for him. I think maybe, I think Al's right because, uh, I mean, boy, what a presentation, Al. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's maybe <laughs> be saved for like post-credit storytelling. Well, okay. So here's Bill's, like, I've I just wrapped my entire face in tinfoil. Love it. Is there's an intergalactic custody battle between the between the master and hulk of whose son is really who who is really the father and she and jennifer and she hulk has to represent him in space cust in fa- space family court which kind of would be the weirdest thing ever and i will write it for marvel if they wanted to <laughs> but um i also feel it would really fit the show but ultimately i feel like the safer pet out of that fucking you know that's my the beekeeper is really really the dog uh mephisto is the delivery guy theories alan i had for wandavision is uh which i'll never let go um is 
I would love to see it just be the master. Jeff Goldblum ends up in this series and he ends up having just like this really pithy dialogue with She-Hulk. And they just go back and forth because that's the sitcom stuff I want to see, especially if we're playing into like, there's all these weird, super powered characters throughout this world of She-Hulk. Like to have something like that, I think would be pretty rad. Although my space family court is something I will definitely want to see happen but i know won't happen and i will die on that hill for sure no um, i think cut that out of the podcast so you can make it yourself man that sounds <laughs> awesome can drax be the bailiff no because it's it's, it's um what you, well no, unless she died the one who was like uh, the master sidekick who, who would try to get oh stick. shit yeah you're right she oh, was so the, he's the judge uh, no i no he would probably be the the plaintiff or something like that. although if there was like you know, Hulk's like, why if Hulk's wife didn't die and there's this custody battle, like he definitely could be the judge. But I ultimately think it's just about him reclaiming Hulk as his champion and stuff like that. I think that's going to be the more straightforward thing. Although, again, my space soap opera really sounds good. Um, let's talk about the casting of Tatiana Maslany as Jennifer Walters and She Hulk. Um, for people who aren't familiar with her or maybe just don't know the name but know the face, Orphan Black. Uh, if you watched Perry Mason from a few years ago, she was in that uh, with Matthew Reese, uh, which was on HBO. She played um, an amazing character. Which she was like a um, like this charismatic, like kind of evangelist character who had visions. And there was it's a lot of a lot involved more than that character, but she like carried a lot of that series, in my opinion. Guys, you're what do you when you heard she was cast as She Hulk? Um, what was your initial reaction? Because my initial reaction was just like as a dumb guy that I am. I'm just like, is she tall? That was my first thing. I'm like, is she tall? And then I'm like, oh, no, it doesn't matter because she's a really good actress. But let's talk about her performance in the show and your and then your and your thoughts first on her casting and then how you feel that she portrayed both She-Hulk and and Jennifer Walters in the series. Alec, I'm going to start with you. I'm a huge fan of hers ever since Orphan Black, even just the pilot episode, you watch that and you are hooked. She is like yeah. on point from the second she takes the screen. She plays a million different characters, has scenes with herself, with like multiple versions of herself. And you would never know it. You forget that she is the only person on screen and that she's just filming all these different ones. So anytime she's casting anything, I am super excited. I'm always on board to watch it. And I thought she was super likable. Um, it can be hard to do kind of the quippy thing. You can get a little, especially as a woman, you can get too like, oh, I'm trying to be a tough woman and it can feel a little pandery. But I actually think she was so laid back, but still felt very real. And I, I just think she's inherently likable. I just really enjoy watching her. I think she's got a very ease on the screen that just makes her a great heroine. Um, Tyler. I mean, yeah, echoing everything Ali said, if you watch Orphan Black, you know, it's she's doing a lot of it in this because she has so many scenes with herself. She must have been acting up against like a tennis ball there to like catch her eye line. And, you know, she's doing a lot of that with uh, Bruce Banner and everything, too. And I think, yeah, she can she can really do anything. She can flex a lot of her muscle and seeing her play Orphan Black. It seems like she's also got an acute understanding of how to get into these characters and like what the layers are beyond them. And I think that's where Ali was talking about. She gives Jennifer Walters this very laid back quality despite having to exhibit rage uh hulk like rage and things like that and i think we're going to get a lot of that sort of nuance from her 
going forward in like she never really loses her charisma she has that terrific speech about you know having to control her anger every day just because she's a modern woman and um i think it'd be very easy to just have a character get out there who can look mean who can look tough who can do the ronda rousey glare but they went smart and they uh, Bill is cringe for the podcast listener. Bill is cringing. <laughs> I am cringing. Everyone should cringe. Uh, it's, um, but yeah, it would be very easy to go that route, but they didn't, they went smart. They picked a very talented actress who's going to give this character a lot of depth and a lot of, uh, a, a lot of story to tell without necessarily having to write it into the dialogue. Oh, Al, your thoughts too. Yeah. I was like super happy about the casting like marvel has never really failed at casting like marvel proper has never really failed at casting um i also love her i, I loved orphan black i don't remember if i actually finished orphan black which makes me want to go finish Orphan Black. i think I, I think i was on the last season so i need to finish that but i knew she would really excel with the comedic chops because first off she did a two episode guest spot in parks and rec and was basically acting with aziz ansari the entire time and was great like really, really funny, um, really dry. And like, she kind of just got it, but she's a very good actress. Um, there's a lot of funny parts in Orphan Black, but again, she's like acting against herself like 70% of the time or 80, like a very high amount of the time. So uh, I knew she would be perfect for this. And uh, I was really excited. My my concern wasn't her as in the role was, was the, the height role? was the height. It was, I mean, it was a height because I'm such a heightist. Um, it's, I just, I just, you know, if you're not tall, don't play a tall person. Don't pretend to be tall. A heightist. I don't know. But no, my, my thing was, I'm just like, I hope the dialogue supports because what I've seen a lot of times where we sometimes, especially when Marvel doesn't hit with humor, oh, brother, is it, and sister, it's terrible. <laughs> like, we saw Thor the Dark World. That was bad. There is stuff that is it even in the TV shows where you're like, oh, man, that did not work. And that was my biggest concern. And I feel like the script, I felt like what they gave She-Hulk to say and Tati Maslany to say as She-Hulk, I thought it was really clever. It was really well done. But let's talk about the things that make all the stupid men in the world really upset because I went on Twitter and I was like, what are people saying about this show? Which is the dumbest thing I can do, but also helps make a point about this segment I'm going to talk about is She-Hulk it, it like excels at being a Hulk better than Bruce. It's very obvious. So many dudes are so butthurt about this. They're not on this podcast, by the way. <laughs> oh, because we're married and going to be married to very awesome and powerful and smart women. So, see what I did for you, Tyler? You, I got you. Wow, you petted her on the head. You, I appreciate you, that. You really owe her one for that. Did that feel to to everyone on the podcast? Like, did her excelling at being Hulk? Did that feel natural? Did you feel that was well written, or did you feel that was forced? Because sometimes we've seen people they. In, in anything they're just trying to make this happen we're trying to hit a point and it just doesn't feel natural to me 100 yes so guys al I'll start with you did this jennifer you know being great at being a hulk did it ever feel forced to you did it ever feel inorganic 
no, it didn't even phase me. It's like, why would you want the same story again? Like the whole point, like why it's so well written is like, he's like, I dealt with this for 15 years. I wrote the book on it. And she's like, I don't need the book. I'm different. That's you. That's the whole point. It's like, she is not the Hulk. She is a different, completely different person altogether. So why would she go through the same things? I think that was great how they wrote that. And like girls mature faster than boys. So there you go. <laughs> as a, as a father of a daughter, I can tell you that's for sure. Yeah. Um, Ali, what did you think? How did you feel about the portrayal of, cause there's, you know, I'm reading stuff on Twitter, you know, you could imagine exactly what was said. It was just like this, you know, left is blah, blah, blah. You know, you know, fake female part. I'm just, I wanted to throw fuck up. Sorry for swearing, but guys, like, how did you feel that portrayal of She-Hulk excelling at being a Hulk was portrayed? Did you feel it was, you feel it was done in a natural way that you could get behind yeah i definitely i mean i don't need six episodes of her painstakingly learning all of the things that he can teach her i i want a quick origin story so i can see her kicking ass and she got a lower dose of you know what he had so he was very stupid at the hulk and had this split personality she got a much smaller dose just like some drippings of blood i'm willing to buy that and just you know the fact that when he became the Hulk, superheroes were just a new concept to, you know, the world. So he didn't know, he didn't have a guideline. No, she, superheroes are old hat to her. So, sure. you know, there are weird things happening every friggin' week. So, of course, like, she could be like, oh, I can embrace this stuff a lot easier than Bruce would back before aliens had attacked. And what, and, and to, to go there, there's that scene in the Jeep. Where she's basically saying, you haven't processed anything, Bruce. Like, you're a damaged person. Do you agree with that? Do you agree that Bruce is still a very damaged guy who is not who has not dealt with any of his stuff? Yeah, I think I, I think he's portrayed really weirdly. Like he's so different from the Edward Norton version. Thank God. And, well, but I actually <laughs> like Edward Norton. I love Edward Norton. Yeah. I thought he was actually perfect casting. So and uh, what's his name? Uh, Mark Ruffalo kind of plays him like a goofy uncle. And I feel like he doesn't get a lot of the trauma inside. He's kind of just like, oh, I'm goofy. And like, what, what's Hulk up to today? And it doesn't really like ever feel like he's processing how shitty his life is. I would love that version of the Hulk, the way you say Because it's very true. It's just like, can we get a like a mini series of just like a live scott lang bruce banner podcast where it's just them just being goofy together like i just need to be like two episodes or just give me like what they did with i am brute i'll be fine with it um but he is the goofy uncle so he's essentially me uh tyler your thoughts on uh, jennifer's um excel uh, excelling at being the hulk yeah i mean a lot of it's been said already it's it's She's a different person. And there's a lot that's more potent than people I think really want to believe. You know, Bruce, the way Bruce became the Hulk was drastically different. They even go out of their way a little bit to mention somewhat organically that like this is biological. Like what's happening with her is because her biology is different from uh, Bruce Banner's and and all of that. And I do think, you know, we they don't they don't have to explain why necessarily she doesn't have an alter ego. I think it's it's all just there. Like, let's cut to the chase of our origin story. And I'll even do you one better. The utility of not having 
another Hulk origin story, I think was great. We're like five minutes into this show and, you know, car accident, blood on blood. Now she's Hulk now. We don't, if I were writing it, I would have tried to inject a little more story, how like becoming She-Hulk affected her life more. And I'd have been totally wrong. It was so much more fun to just dive in. We get our superhero. And what we're going to get now is not the origin story of like how she became Hulk, how she learned to deal with this curse that is being like angry all the time. It's about how she gets these powers. And like she was saying in the beginning of the episode, well, then what is a person with powers responsibility? Um, And I think that's what it's going to be more about. It's going to be about now I'm a person with power. I'm a person who's high profile. What does the world ask demand that I do with that? And what do I demand of myself with that? And the other alternative is we do another Hulk story where I've always said this, Ali's probably heard me say this a thousand times. Hulk is not an interesting main character because you have Bruce Banner, who, if he, the audience is just excited for him to Hulk out. Right. Yeah. But if Bruce Banner is excited to Hulk out, he's a really shitty guy. Yeah. So what you have yeah. is a main character at odds with what the audience wants him to do. And that isn't super interesting to watch, isn't super sustainable. I, too, am a fan of the Edward Norton version, but it's definitely not the strongest installment in the MCU. And I think when you've got Edward Norton at the helm like that, he's a very talented guy. I think the reason it's not the strongest is because it's real hard to do a Hulk standalone movie. Uh, So when it comes to the She-Hulk story, yeah, make it a sitcom give her the powers as soon as freaking possible. And let's just play in the sandbox we've created. One of the biggest concerns a lot of people had with She-Hulk was not how she was going to be portrayed by Tatiana Maslany, but how she was going to be portrayed in CGI. We all saw the first trailer. Wasn't the best. Wasn't ugly Sonic bad, although he did become the hero we all needed in Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. If you haven't seen it, go listen to go watch it. Listen to our podcast. We can always use the lessons, but not neither here nor there. Uh, how did you guys feel that the CGI of She-Hulk looked? Because for me, I, I was like, well, what what did we see in the trailer? I felt it was so natural, and I, it was it was more natural than I saw in the trailer, and I, it never distracted from me one bit. And I didn't think I was just watching to rubbery things like talk to each other when her and Mark Ruffalo's Hulk were on screen together. Did the CGI work for you guys? Anyone could jump in at this point because why not? It was much better. I think, um, you know, they had time to, to, to work out some of the kinks. There's obviously some issues still there, but at the same time, like it's a TV show. You're comparing this to the movies. It's, insane do you know the, you the amount of money the guy who criticized moon knight a lot though that's why i'm because you were saying there was stuff with the moon knight no 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 to think that the problem with the moon knight cgi was they made a cgi suit which i felt was unnecessary that and the cgi looked bad because they had to keep using it to show off the cgi suit but like when he was just in like the regular suit like just talking to people or whatever or like i loved it it looked really good um, it was the CGI-ness of the suit that really bothered me. With this, though, again, there's you can read about a ton of drama that is happening in the VFX community with Marvel. Yes. Yeah. Like literally, like the the maybe the 
darkest thing that's ever happened in terms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like in general, like DC has had loads and loads and loads of problems and they still do consistently. But this is like the worst thing that's happened so far for for Feige and everybody It's just like dirty laundry is being aired about, you know, the development of these shows. And Marvel does not seem like the nicest people to work for or, you know, at all. Right. So um, I can forgive this show for having some bad, quote unquote, bad CGI, because like you compare this to an episode of The Flash this is like <laughs> this would blow this blows your mind like in terms of like what they're doing uh with a nine episode series right whoa we'll get to that don't worry okay but that's what i'm saying like we're gonna see this level of like quality for you know potentially nine episodes so it's like that's amazing so yeah i think people are we're too uh you know spoiled at this point we want everything to look like uh end And that's just not going to happen. We don't, you know, that's like a $500 million movie or whatever. Um, 200 million, whatever it was like. It's a lot of millions. It's apples and oranges. And we're still getting a very high quality product. I still think that there's opportunities for them to like save money. Like the whole scene when Banner Hulk is talking to her in the lab. I'm like, why wasn't that just Banner? Like that's save some money. It doesn't make any sense. Like use the Hulk in the big fight scene, like save your money for that. It was like very odds at, at some points, but that's about it. I, I agree. It makes it when you do scenes where it's ju- there's a scene in like age of Ultron that always like I always flag because they just do like an insert of Ultron listening to the Scarlet Witch talking and like tilting his head in recognition. And even for like a high budget movie, it just looks bad. It just looks like a video game cut scene. And there were times in this show where like she was talking to Bruce and you're a little like, yeah, all right, this is two computer characters talking to each other. That said, they never so our our Alexa answers to uh, uh, computers. So she just yelled at us. Um, <laughs> it's a Star Trek thing. We love Star Trek. Yeah. Um, anyway, you uh, should turn it to pewter for uh, for what's it called? Uh, the Lego Batman movie. That- <laughs> pewter. Um. Sorry. God, what was I saying before she rudely interrupted me? Uh, Something about Lobster Thermidor, I don't know. (laughs) The the show looked really good. There were a few times where you see, like, the wind blowing the stubble on Hulk's, like, face. And it looked really good. It never was distracting. There were a few moments where my brain started to drift into territory of, like, okay, this is a video game cutscene. And then they promptly cut away and did something else. And so I think they use, this is, like, one of the first times they're using it to better effect to to back Al up a little bit with Moon Knight. Yeah, it definitely didn't need to be a CGI suit, especially for a show that did have limited action to sort of do this, whatever, whatever the physical action equivalent of the uncanny Valley is, it lowers the stakes on everything. Now that's less of a problem with Hulk because that's the name of the game. You can punch Hulk through a building and then he can get up and punch you through a train station and, that's a Hulk fight, but to do it with something like Moon Knight, where it's like just a guy fighting people, like let's get some, let's get the Daredevil fight choreographer in there. Let's just wrap him in white, like mummy stuff and add a cape, and let's have some really awesome fight scenes. And they went a different way with that, which is, I would say, a bad use of CGI. I mean, I would agree. Like in that, 
I also, my standards are very low when it comes to TV, like computer generated things. It's just, I grew up on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which had like the WB, like sometimes they would just look so bad, but I was always willing to be like, I get it. You guys have a limited budget and you try to do so much and like sci-fi channel originals and stuff. So I feel like my barometer for it on TV is so low. Like when when it's movies, I definitely, it's higher. We watched Alien 3 the other day and the alien looks horrible, but the alien looks great practically before. So I was willing to, to be mad at that movie because it looked so distractingly bad. With this, like, you're not, I don't want to see Lou Ferrigno running out in, like, you know, green makeup or anything like that. That is so much more distracting to me than a slightly more cartoonish CGI image. <laughs> it just, part of me is just like, they just bring Ferrigno back just to do that again. Uh, just as her, like, not, not being Hulk, but being her. <laughs> yeah, the next episode is just Lou Ferrigno in a, in a wig. And the I, real- I, I I would bet a dollar that we do see Lou Ferrigno in this show uh, at some point. Uh, I feel like we're contractually obligated. <laughs> yes, we are contractually obligated. Uh, contractually. Thank you. Uh, but yes, I know. Sometimes I, know, I have to flex my degree. Uh, yeah. I was also I was also I think at mid burp when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is a mid burp thought is the impetus of this podcast. But uh, so let's let's kind of like bring it into the big act the the final action sequence where jennifer is in court she's just about to give her summation i've watched a lot of lower and order so i know what that is um and jamila jamil bursts onto the scene uh i believe her character is titania or is it is it titania yeah yeah literally just bursts onto the scene and jennifer has to has to you know at the behest of her best buddy has to turn into She-Hulk to save the day. How do you, well, one, your thoughts on the scene, and two, how do you believe, where, this is obviously going to be the jump off into the rest of the series. What are you predicting for the rest of the series based off of this scene? Like, how, what type of show are we getting here? Like, what do you what do you think we're, is going to happen? Is this, for me, I look at it like, it's a cool little moment, but the big part of this is, okay, it's her reveal to the world as, she-Hulk. Remember, she said, my parents know, Bruce knows, my best friend knows. Now it's there. Is this show now going to be about her dealing with the fame of being a superhero? Or is this more going to be like, hey, here's my adventure of the week type stuff? Like, where do you see this show going from here? I'll start with you. Yeah, without trying to be too repetitive, I think it's going to take a lot from Dan Slott's run in, in the sense that um, you know, she gets she's gonna get hired um to be a lawyer for this like superhero law firm. And they don't hire her because she is a superhero. That's part of it, but like they she is a great lawyer. They hire her because she now has that credibility as a superhero to do the this kind of law. So I think we're gonna see a lot of uh, you know, potentially we're gonna see a lot of like uh case by case kind of episodes but i think we'll get titania to come back you know at the end or something like that like i don't think we're you know maybe throughout but like as like a you know her first like you know villain that she fights but i think we're going to see a lot more of like her dealing with like different cases and just being you know this kind of quasi celebrity uh lawyer so i think that's basically what we're going to get throughout Bubbles goals what do you guys think 
I, I love seeing uh, when people get this extraordinary ability and then have to do their normal lives and figure out like how to actually like go on a date or just make it through the subway turnstile without destroying it. So I, I'm excited to see like the little things that she's not anticipating that her life are gonna, is going to change, um, like destroying your fridge because you accidentally pulled the door too hard. I love seeing those kinds of things. I think it's I think it's endearing. Um, and I'm excited to see her. I think she's not anticipating what it's going to be like having villains come at her. She was so unprepared when, you know, she went, uh, Titania bursts in through the wall. She's so not prepared that she doesn't even think like, oh, this is on me. She has to have somebody else tell her like, hey, this is on you. So I'm excited to see her have to get into some more fights. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I may be inferring a little bit, but I think it's, it, there's a reason that Titania attacked a legal proceeding where they seem to be discussing the culpability of someone behind some kind of big organization. There's a lot of subtle undertones about like, what are people's culpability? What are people's responsibilities? And I think we're going to get her dealing with her newfound fame. Uh, but I think that's going to be more of an undercurrent on her sort of larger hero's journey about, it seems like, you know, something is fishy when it comes to heroes or people with abilities and the law right now. I think that is what's going to stem from whatever Titania was very upset about, it seemed. And I think that, you know, as we know, like Daredevil is going to come into play. And, and just judging by that, she's going to be joining this new law firm. I think something stinks in the world of hero rights. And she is going to be juggling her commitment to want to do something about that morally and maybe the allure of this new fame that she's going to get. And uh, ultimately, and I mean, I, I'm guessing she's going to choose the morally difficult thing to do, the heroic thing to do. And that's where our origin story lies, our hero origin story lies. But again, I'm inferring a lot just on the little bit we got of what this show is about versus the origin story we got. But I think that's where we're headed. There's also the rumor that Jessica Jones is coming in, and I'm I loved Jessica Jones, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed for that. I didn't watch any of the Marvel Netflix stuff, so I, uh, I there's a, a number of things I have to catch up as Al just guffaws and just hates his life that I just don't watch pop culture stuff. We'll do a show called Bill versus the MCU, and it's the Netflix shows, and there's a question mark because I mean, because is it? Uh, because potentially there's a second season where that might happen. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so the most important question we have to ask ourselves, um, based off this show, is: Did Captain America fuck? Um, if this, I don't care if this show sucks for the next eight episodes, that one scene is iconic. Yeah. But my question is, is, Je is Jennifer's question, is Captain America a virgin? I see. I've been having this. Uh, I've been making Tyler have this debate with me. Anytime we yes, watch Captain America, have this like, now. <laughs> yes. I keep up because I'm always like, "Is he a virgin?" I just need to know. Like he's having all of these death-defying things in every movie, and I'm like, "But is he potentially dying a virgin here?" But you know, for this to be true, you have to believe that he lost his virginity to a random girl because it didn't sound like it was Peggy. And that he also told Bruce about it, which seems a little not Captain America-like to, to be telling Bruce how you lost your virginity. But, I mean, maybe just you get bored enough, you're in a foxhole sort of situation, you're trading stories. 
they spent a lot of time cleaning up after Loki's mess and tracking down all of the alien technology. Conversations are had in a Quinjet. Anyone in the military will tell you that. (laughs) That should have been the name of this podcast. Conversations in the Quinjet. (laughs) I think... I think Captain America, yes, I think he was a nerdy kid who was like, you know, valorous and charming. And then he's ripped like a, like, like a Christ-like figure. I think, yeah, on that USO tour, someone threw themselves at Captain America and, you know, he had no reason to say no. Uh, now we're getting into the old to Jesus. That's another podcast for another day that my mom will definitely hate me for. Um, Al, for sure. Wow, you don't even. Wow. Well, also, I just want to take. I just want to like bring it back for a second and just like applaud them for making this like not like a like it's like a fan wrote this show. Like it's a it's like I love that. It's like it's not even like fan theories it's it's them literally owning up to things that people have been t- discussing forever right and even like the little things of like him telling her oh yeah my arms in a cast and i'm back to human form because i did this and this and she's like all right like chill out bro like no one asked like it's like things that we were wondering and i'm glad they brought up but the way that they did it was like very like oh that's fun like they made it really fun and this isn't the first time they've done it. I mean, in, no. in Homecoming, it, it was like they did F. Mary Kill. And they were like talking how hot Thor was. I mean, like, that's like, and people might think, oh, that's just silly. I'm like, this is what people do. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But it's also, it feels so much like a comic. It does. Like, the way that they talk to each other and interact and the way that it's so self-referential, it doesn't, it makes it feel like it literally is a big ass universe that they've built because they are not doing this in anywhere else that you can think of. Like DC has always been like the big comparison, but like Shazam, the Shazam that we know takes place in the Snyderverse, apparently. Like but like it, they are not referencing Shazam. He's not part of the Justice League. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it just, it feels so disconnected and disjointed. Where this, they've been building this for like 12, 13 years now, or something crazy. Like it, it they are referencing shit from like the beginning. It's crazy. Like yeah, I mean, and and you, I mean, she literally says some of this stuff was on the History Channel because it would be. Yeah, it would be. And I also think think of what E! News would be about in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's just like who Tony Stark was spotted with or whatever. Yeah, I I mean, and I do love the line where she basically kind of like cons him into like spilling the beans where she's like that ass. Come on. And it was like, that's perfect. And she kills that line. I also think you have to say Captain America is not a virgin because in the alt, because now you have metaverses and obviously he ended up with Peggy and turned into Joe Biden at the end of infinity. <laughs> so I'm just like, he's there. Come on. He is. We all voted for him. I, I wasn't going to say Biden. I was going to say, uh, what's his name from, uh, from winter soldier. Redford. Yeah. You like oh, channeling Redford there. He looks more like Biden. He does look a lot about like Biden. Like Biden yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they like make him look like Biden. I mean, yeah, I think they did. I think they did. But so, okay. So we all think 
that Captain America in some verse definitely fucked. Yep. Yeah. There's there's a scene in Winter Soldier where uh, Black Widow asks him directly, or he says like you weren't my first kiss. Uh, uh, well, like, no, because like, what's her face from Game of Thrones uh, smooched him. Yeah, no, since he's since he'd been thought he said. Oh, okay. and, you know, Cap wouldn't lie. Yeah, and also like the way that he kisses what's her Sharon, it is like a little too knowing for a virgin, you know. Like he he kisses her like and for real. I, I don't like for any women, but if you're making out with Captain America, you're going all the way with that ass. I think he got lit. <laughs> Hold on, I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm, so, I'm trying not to die here. Okay. <laughs> First, we had a conversation with the Quinja. You're making out with Captain America. You're going all the way with that. That's my fiance sits here shaking her head. Take over now. I was gonna say, like in like like logistically, I think you're going on the USO tours, like you're you're going across the world in that montage when he kisses uh the girl from Game of Thrones. I can't remember her name. Well, it's Natalie Dormer, is the actor. Natalie Dormer. I don't remember her. When he kisses Natalie Dormer and like the whole thing with her and uh what's it called uh peggy like happens i think it's in between that scene and like like later reconnection with peggy that like things happen i wouldn't even say one thing i would say like multiple things happen um he's so shy when he has the kiss with natalie dormer and but definitely like seems like things have progressed later on yeah I yeah. do love the idea of pulling out like the, the MCU timeline and getting some like yarn and markers and figuring this out. When did he have sex? <laughs> it's it's the fact that they did this and the fact that like us and probably every other podcast talking about this is discussing this. It just shows how well written this show is. So that you brings know, shout out. Oh, I'm sorry, Bill. Go for it, it's fine. It's I was going to say shout out to the series. Uh, I believe like showrunner, head writer Jessica Gao, uh, who I was a fan of because she not to not to closely associate myself with the Rick and Morty fandom, but she did write the infamous Pickle Rick episode, oh. and she briefly had a podcast with the uh, uh, co-creator Dan Harmon. Uh, where they really just talked about representation and writing and Hollywood and had some really smart, interesting conversations. And I was really stoked to find out that she was going to helm She-Hulk because, yeah, she's earned it. She's been asking the right questions in her writing. Uh, she's been doing the right kind of writing and f- writing funny stuff for a while. Yeah, and Kat Koiro, uh, she directed the uh, the premiere. She's also done stuff like uh, It's Always Sunny. So, I mean, she's at, she's at her, she's steeped in the comedy world as well. So moving on, um, Al, we're coming to the point where we rate the episode and give our final thoughts. You, as always, give us the scale we are to rate this on. There's no severed limbs. So I know that's a big, that's a big one for you, but what do you got? I know. Uh, We're going to rate this episode on a scale of one to 10 comically large cocktails. Very Love good. it. Very good. Guests of honor. Allie, ladies first. I, I'm going to give it an eight. Like it wasn't a flat out 10. There were, I was still left a little wanting. We spent a long time with her still doing her like karate kid moments with uh, Bruce. But, and I was so excited to see her fight at the end. And I know it was a leave you wanting more situation. They did it smartly. 
But even so, so I'm going to give it an eight because I think it was really strong, really fun, really well acted. But uh, I wanted a little bit more action. Uh, Magical boy. Yes. Uh, I'm going to give it the same for pretty much the same reasons. It, I, I, like we mentioned before, I do love that we didn't spend a ton of time on the origin story of like how she got her powers. But like Ali said, there was a lot of the karate kidness. This whole episode was about explaining how she is She-Hulk uh, without sort of telling the story of what our show is going to be about. We have our hero now. We have what she's about. We have the clearly defined rules about how her power works. So we have nowhere to go for however many episodes this season is. I'm not sure off the top of my head. It's going to be nine. Nine, which is great. We've been needing longer seasons for these for yeah, a while. We have. <laughs> uh, so now we've got eight episodes where there's nowhere to go but forward. And I love that. But this episode itself uh, didn't really tell the story of the season. It just told the story of She-Hulk, but... It told it well, and I was riveted the whole time. And when the credits rolled, I wanted more. And then they stopped rolling, and I got more in the form of finding out about Captain America's virginity. <laughs> I am going to, I'm going to give this an an eight and a half because it set up everything I needed. It's, it gave me the rules of the show. It brought back an Eve classic, and who's that girl? Which worked wonderfully with the credits. I thought the end credit animation was also really cool. Um, but the whole point of she makes the joke about it. She's like, you're not going to want to watch this show until I tell you how I got to this point in the show, which is wonderful meta Sakami stuff. Um, I love the fact she talks to the, breaks the fourth wall constantly. Uh, the comedic timing there was great. I love that Ruffalo was just the CGI straight man throughout. It was great. Um, I also figured from the trailer that all that stuff with him was going to be in the first episode. And we just get the little amuse-bouche of just like, okay, this is what the show's going to be, and we're going to go from here. And that's what I like. I want to see. And it it makes me very happy that I now have a weekly show that I can watch every week. I have, I have two months more of this show. We are going to actually review the finale in October, so you will see most of this panel back. Pro- maybe not Al, because you might be a dad at that point. Uh, you probably Who's a dad now? No, 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 Double Dad, which is, oh, Double Dad is, that that's the business right there. Um, So, yes, everything I was concerned about was alleviated, and I'm very happy just to run with this show. Um, Yeah, I'm very happy. So, Al, close this out. Yeah, I I don't know why you guys are giving it such a low rating. I'm just saying eight. No, I know. I'm just saying. Higher. I don't have a lot of negatives with this episode and with the show itself so far. I really want to give it a nine. Um, I think the only reason I don't give it a 10 was there was a really weird, and this is super, super specific. There's a really weird cut at the end of the episode where it almost felt like they were cutting it for time where she transforms or she's in the midst of transformation. And um, you see Titania throw the thing bench, yeah, and then the bench or whatever. And like she wants to go, she goes to like she like is already the Hulk and like catches it, but it just feels so rushed and poorly edited for an episode that is pretty well edited. So it just felt strange to me. If you guys have a chance, rewatch it. Let me know if you if you think the same or I'm just taking crazy pills. But I really love this episode. Okay. I never. What do you say? Both can be true. Both can be true. I I don't treat these 
like episodes like of the Disney Plus shows like as episodic. It's really I know it's kind of annoying, but like I really always see them as like one long story, one long movie. So it's kind of tough to be like, oh, well, you know, this whole thing was an origin. Obviously, it was because that's the whole point of the episode. It was this is the origin episode. And now we can, as Tyler said, like we can move on, we can move forward and we can see what she does as She-Hulk um, in, in every capacity. So uh, I give this a nine. It's like one of the one of the more solid premieres, I think, yeah. of any of these Disney Plus shows, honestly. Yeah. So there you have it. We all recommend you check out. I mean, if you've listened to this podcast already and you go watch She-Hulk Attorney at Law streaming every Thursday on Disney Plus. But before we go, what we're going to do is we're going to go around the horn. We're going to give plug our social media and give our pop culture recommendations. I'm going to go last because I didn't think of one. So, <laughs> Tyler, let's start with you. Sure. Um, yeah, so I can be found on Twitter at Tyler McCarthy. Uh, if you're interested in uh, any of my writing, right now I'm at USA Insider, uh, covering all things USA Network, English Premier League, NASCAR, reality TV. Uh, and that also includes what I'm going to use as my pop culture recommendation for this week, uh, Chucky, the TV series. If you've been sleeping on Chucky, now's a great time to get into it. Season two premieres in October. That little demon who was my boogeyman growing up, uh, is going to be back and dominate the Halloween season. And I'm really excited because I get to write about all of it. And I really want everyone to just get on board and get back into Chucky because he's pretty freaking terrifying. And with fall coming and summer ending, let's just get, get into spooky season early. And uh, so I'm ready recommend for some Chucky. So ready for it. Al, where can people find you? Oh, uh, where can people find you and your pop culture recommendation? Yeah, uh, you can find me at Al Manorino on Twitter and Instagram. I uh, just covered uh, the uh, Jack Johnson for uh, the popbreak.com. And I will be also covering the shins. So you can look out for my coverage uh, and uh, a review and some photos of the shins. Um, let's see what else. What else? Oh, uh, pop culture recommendations. So I have two, both TV shows. One is a documentary. One is not. Uh, really digging a league of their own on uh, prime video. I've watched the first two episodes so far. It's great. Uh, really loving it. That's uh, the, you know, adaptation of the classic nineties movie. I think it's nineties, right? Yeah. Nineties. Let's go with nineties. Um, great. Just overall. Very awesome. And then uh, Bill's going to be jealous that I've almost watched all of this, but I've uh, I'm almost done with the captain, which is the Derek Jeter uh, documentary in it. So good. So good. A lot of tea is spilt and it's pretty fantastic. Um, another great uh, sports documentary series in the in the vein of uh, The Last Dance. Um, and uh, was it The Man in the Arena? It was the, the Tom Brady one. But they basically are just cloning The Last Dance at this point now. And uh, it's great. I'm loving it. Allie. Thank you so much for making your socially distanced debut with us. We We would love to have you back. Um, so what do you recommend and where can people find you on social media? Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Um, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at anal retentive and that's A N E L R E T E N T I V E. I just learned to spell that because we've been having to do that for the podcast and it is very hard for me to spell. Uh, you can find my writing. I write about entertainment on a parade.com, uh, a show that I cast actually aired this past summer, 
uh, Chef Boot Camp on Food Network. So you can still find that streaming places. It was a great show. And I was proud of everybody on there. They did well at the boot camp. Um, for my recommendations, I'm going to give two as well. The first one I'm going to give is Starstruck on HBO Max. I'm really pushing for HBO Max shows because I don't want them to be canceled. It's a really hard time for them right now. Star Trek is Starstruck. Uh, Star is from Rose Metafeo. She stars in it, she writes it, and she's hilarious. It is like one of these shows that takes the romantic comedy genre and just turns it on its head. It reminds me a lot of like early Mindy Project. It's really funny. Uh, she's really likable. Yeah, I would definitely recommend that. It's getting a third season, so there's already two streaming there. And the other one I would recommend is also HBO Max. It's the other two. Uh, one oh. of the stars that's actually going to be coming on to uh, She-Hulk, which I was actually disappointed not to see him, Josh Sagara, he was actually my resident advisor uh, in college my freshman year. So he's going to be having a role on She-Hulk. I'm really excited to see him. So he has this great role on the other two. He's very funny. He plays uh, kind of a side character, but he's in a lot of the episodes. And the other two just is out and out hilarious to begin with. So I think people really enjoy it. But I want to support Josh, too. Uh, Alex, uh, our, our previous two TV editors, Alex, of course, now our podcast editor, and Matt Taylor, uh, both other two fans, always recommended that uh, to me. Uh, well, as we should also uh, mention our podcast. Allie and I uh, do a podcast on the Breakcast feed called Not Couple Goals, where we just talk about and review uh, romantic thrillers, the trashier, the better. Uh, a lot of times it's just the two of us, and a lot of times we have a special guest. Uh, join us to talk about movies like Wild Things, a Deep Perfect Water, Murder, A Perfect Murder with Perfect Murder, yes. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, check that out every other Saturday on the Breakcast feed. And thank you, Bill and Al and Alex, for hooking us up with that because hell yeah, it's been a good time. What is your next episode coming out on? Of The Voyeurs, starring Sydney Sweeney and Justice Smith. Wow. Okay. I don't even know that one, but that'll, we're definitely going to hit that young demographic that we're looking for, for sure. Yes. As for me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter if you must, at Bodkin Writes. I have some rant about wrestling on there that people are posting. I don't know if you really want to watch it or not, but it's there. Uh, I've written a ton this week, so check out all my stuff on the Pop Break. I did um, a review of I Am Groot, uh, which is actually going to be my pop culture recommendation. It's a really cute, um, it's kind of like I uh, Forky asks a question. Uh, it's both. It's mostly short films. It's five short films. Uh, the director and writer is actually from New Jersey. So uh, Kristen Lepore, I believe, is her, her name. Does an amazing job. Reminds me of those early Disney kind of lacking dialogue type short cartoons like uh, uh, Pluto's Christmas Tree and the Three Go and like something like Mickey's and Mickey and the Ghosts, like. It's really cute. It's really fun. It's not canonical to the MCU, so it's just very light, breezy watching. It's a lot of fun. Oh, and uh, Al, I'm surprised you didn't go with this one because this will be my next piece I'm writing. Bluey Season 3, the best animated show ever created, is a show from Australia called Bluey. It is about a bunch of dogs from... Um, uh, from Australia who just act as a nuclear family uh the parent uh the parents are amazing they are treated as real type parents they're hungover they fart they make mistakes they're real fully fleshed out characters the children are cute it is the type of show that if you have kids you will kind of want to watch without kids and it's the story it's kind of show if you don't have kids you'll actually still really enjoy because it it has a great heart 
as great lessons, but it's never treated as something childish. It's full of fun and fancy, and it's it's a wonderful show to watch. They just dropped the first 25 episodes. They're like five, six minutes each on Disney Plus for season three. They have, uh, and it's one of the biggest cartoons going right now. It's sweeping. It was it's huge in Australia. It swept America's uh, parents definitely during the pandemic, and it's just a wonderful show to watch. Um, besides that, you can check out all my interviews. I did a ton of interviews for local band with local bands and outfits from uh, the Asbury Jam series of the Wonder Bar and the High Tide Summer Holiday. You can check that all those all out on thepopbreak.com, which I've been the editor in chief of the last thirteen years. This is my site, and I would love for you to check it out. We have tele, we do stuff on movies, TV. Uh, pro wrestling, anime, comic books, music, you name it, we're doing it, shooting tons and tons of shows. And uh, we also have um, a whole bunch of podcasts, uh, Pop Break TV, The Breakcast, and The Winner Still Is, and the Way Too Early Oscar podcast. You can find those all on your favorite streaming platforms. Like I said, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Pop Break. So thank you for joining us for episode 121 of the Socially Distanced Podcast. Next week, we go to the House of the Dragon.